Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Okay. Quite easy, quite easy. So, could someone close that door? I'm sure it must be possible to get slightly warmer in here. Um, which is, it's not too bad when you're moving and speaking, it's bad for you sitting there freezing. You're so, a southern softie, aren't you? I'm a southern softie. I am a southern softie, it's fine. She's a mank, living in, in Scouseland. Um, I want to encourage you today that wherever you go, if you are a Christian, Jesus goes with you. Yeah. So I love what Andrea brought following on from uh, Charlotte saying, we're in a battle. Wherever you go, Jesus goes with you. But I just want to back up. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I told you last time how I was saved. What I didn't tell you was I lived for uh, sport, but really one sport, football. I loved football, lived for football. Uh, and when I went to secondary school, uh, I was a Tottenham supporter as well. Uh, I know some of you are supporters. I'm now a Liverpool supporter because I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it to myself. I've been there 22 years. So I go to Liverpool to Anfield about twice a year with one of the guys in the church who's a season ticket holder. And I just love being there. But um, I would say my first God was football. Jimmy Greaves was my first hero. He's just died recently. Um, I lived for football. And when I went to secondary school, one teacher had a huge impact on me. And the reason was he made me the captain of the football team. He was also he, he was a geography teacher. He was my form teacher. He was a Christian, and he let us know all the time that he ran a group in Horsham called Crusaders. And he was brilliant at getting everyone, every boy who played football, to go to Crusaders. Because he would say to you, if you come to Crusaders, you can play football for our team. And we all, it meant we got to play more often, not just for the school, but also for Crusaders. And... Um, I loved my one year as a 12-year-old at Crusaders. I loved it. I believed all of it. Believed everything about Jesus being alive, Jesus dying in my place. Uh, Peter Worsley was the name of this man. What an amazing teacher he was. He got the best out of me in geography. He got the best out of me uh, spiritually. And he got the best out of me as a footballer. So he says, you can be the captain of Crusaders and we've got a five-a-side in Birmingham. Now, Birmingham's the end of the earth if you grow up in Horsham, uh, which is by Gatwick Airport. And uh, we go to the five-a-side tournament. People from all over England are at this tournament. Who wins the tournament? Little Horsham. Yeah. Come on! <laughs> Here's a problem. I, I, which isn't a problem. I believe God uses our gods and helps us to see he's better than them. He uses them. So my God's football. I'm living for football. I loved football. I, I, I think I was 14 and my dad had finished work early to come and watch me play. I'd gone up. Uh, I used to be a sort of... Um, 
in the defence and was really good at defending. But I'm more and more like the glory of schooling. So uh, I went up front for, as a 14-year-old for my school team and my dad's watching and I just scored the best hat-trick ever. And I couldn't <laughs> wait to see my dad because every boy wants their dad to admire them. Every boy wants that. Uh, and, I, and my dad did admire me. But he would never tell me he admired me. So I was quite big headed. Uh, and because. He would never tell me how brilliant I was. I had to tell myself how brilliant I was. Uh, and I told myself regularly. So I go up to my dad, the match is over. I, I remember the third goal still. I, go, I burst through on the halfway line. The goal is coming out to try to stop me. And I chipped the goalie. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. The match is over. I ran up to my dad and said, Dad, did you see my hat trick? What do you think my dad said? No. Could have scored more. No? <laughs> that would have been... Yeah, he wasn't harsh like that. But he didn't like me being big-headed. So he said, the team played well, son. I was like, oh. Oh. I just wanted him to say, you're brilliant, I love you. But we just didn't speak like that in our house. That's what I wanted. Do you know what I did after that day? I quit. I stopped playing football. I started playing tennis. Because tennis is not a team game. You see the thing going on there? It's just, it's, it's awful and twisted. And, and it was like, why have you stopped playing football? And I didn't know back then why I stopped playing. I stopped playing because I was going to make my dad say, you're brilliant. And not ever be able to say to me, oh, the team played well, say. <laughs> now, this is the funny thing. My mum would always tell me, your dad's always boasting about you in the pub. He tells all his friends how brilliant you are, but he never told me. He he ran out. I tell loads of stories, but Crusaders. One year, football was so important to me. Being their captain was brilliant. Winning the Birmingham Five-a-Side team, brilliant. Got a little medal. You got a medal that big back in the seventies. Pathetic. I've still got it. And. Um, <laughs> But at the end of a year of Crusaders, I've been 50 times, so you get a living Bible, lovely big paperback Bible uh, in very modern English. And at the end of a year, do you know what I said to God? Have a guess. Brilliant. Thanks for the participation. <laughs> <laughs> Any ideas? I give up. That's enough. I give up. That's enough. Very, pretty much. I say, God, I will give my life to you just before I die. Wow. And then forgot all about God. Because I left my um, form teacher, Peter Worsley. I didn't go to Crusaders again. Uh, and uh, just started living for sport, which was still football for a while, and then tennis. And you think, well, that's so twisted. But first verse I want to show you. In Luke 18, it says... The disciples, uh, Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. They should always pray 
and not give up. And uh, when I finally, nine years later, after Crusaders, did become a Christian, I start praying and praying and praying and praying for my my non-Christian family to become Christians. I used to pray every day, and I'd often, many times a day, save my mum, save my all my Horsham family. My, I, I included cousins, aunts, uncles, granddads were still alive. I, I prayed for all of them. I was a 21-year-old by this stage, and just prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh, but no one becomes a Christian. And here's the problem. When you become a Christian and you're competitive, and there's an angry young man inside you, uh, and then you meet something bigger than your God, which was tennis for me uh, by this stage, you somehow, although you met the God, somehow that energy and drive and competitiveness comes through for me when I became a Christian. So I was quite competitive in the way I prayed. I'd pray and pray for my family to get saved. If I, I'd write and write to my family telling them they need to get saved. My mum writes back and says, your dad is no longer reading your letters. And you think, ugh. It's kind of a theme, isn't it? You want your dad to, to get it. Uh, but he didn't. But I prayed and prayed. Uh, that was 42 years ago. Uh, and in December, uh, just gone, uh, my mum's just died, by the way. Uh, we've got a funeral down in Horsham next week. Uh, but just last month, in, in, sorry, two months ago, in December, I'm talking to my mum. I've been praying for her for 42 years. And she's come to church when she comes to Liverpool. She always weeps. She loves it. Two years ago, she said, pray for your mother to become a Christian, dear. I'm like, you've got to pray for yourself, mum. You've got to give your life to Jesus. Uh, I prayed for her, but, um, but nothing happened. So two months ago, I'm chatting to my mum. We had a weekly phone call. And, uh, and she obviously had been talking to Uncle Gerald. And the two of them had agreed that they were Christians, not like me, uh, uh, by, uh, but they said, we are Christians, dear. Uh, we were born in England. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been a Christian 42 years and this is what you've learned? <laughs> and you are a Christian, therefore. Uh, so my mum argues, not argues, she's not argumentative like me. Uh, she's just lovely, my mum, but... Uh, two months ago, she said, we are Christians, dear. You are always to pray and not give up. And uh, here's something amazing that my mum told me. Because I, I was competitive. I was driven not just to pray, but to tell people about Jesus. So when I came home one Christmas from, from Florida, I just told every cousin about Jesus, every aunt and uncle, you're going to hell. I didn't... <laughs> Do you realise that how you talk to people actually has a, a big impact? Yeah. You see, I, I, I am actually, wherever I go, taking Jesus. He's with me. Very good. But I'm not representing him very well. I'm still in that young, angry, competitive mode. 
I've got good intentions. I want them to know this wonderful God I met, but I'm such an idiot. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> don't, miss, don't encourage me. So I'm such an idiot. Uh, and, um, you know, my mum's writing back every week, oh, your dad's not reading your letters anymore. And anyway, uh, a couple of years go by, my cousin Stephen, five years younger than me, has finished university, and he wants to come and stay with me in Florida. Uh, but he doesn't want to stay with me because he knows I'll just ram Jesus down his throat all the time. But he wants to go to Florida. Uh, so he's coming to Florida with some of his friends and then he's got a long stay before he starts his job. Uh, so my mother rings me up and says, Graham dear, she always called me dear, Graham dear, your cousin Stephen is coming to Orlando. May I recommend you do not talk about Jesus to <laughs> Now, what does a competitive young Christian think when his mother's saying that? I thought this is the, the devil speaking to me. <laughs> and this is a temptation, and I will talk about Jesus because it is my duty to ram Jesus down their throat. Anyway, I, I get off that phone call and I'm and, and not happy. Uh, cost a load of money to phone England back then. Uh, in the 80s, this was. Didn't have WhatsApp or anything like Skype. Uh, didn't even have mobile phones. And uh, so I get off the phone and little by little I feel God saying to me, that wasn't the devil speaking, that was me speaking to you. So I, I, when Stephen comes to Orlando, he finishes with his friends and I take him, I say, can I take you to SeaWorld? He'd already been to Disney World. So we go to SeaWorld. It about kills me not to mention Jesus. I've never, as a Christian, not talked and talked about Jesus. So we just enjoy seeing Shamu splash us and just had a great day. I said to him, you can come and stay with me for nothing if you want. Uh, he comes and stays with me for two months. He just came and um, was in the Lake District, driving back to Horsham, stopped with us. And he reminded me, do you remember you gave up your bed? You slept on the floor. Like, no, I, I honestly couldn't remember that I had given up my bed. i tell you what I did give up was arrogant talking about Jesus, which didn't help anyone become a Christian. It says in James 1, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Take note of this. <laughs> <laughs> she's good at talking. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. What a great verse. If you are really a Christian and everywhere you're going, you're taking Jesus with you, you don't have to talk. Listen first. Listen, listen, listen. Just keep listening. Ask people questions. And listen. Don't ask people questions so you can tell them about Jesus. I had to learn from my wonderful non-Christian mom that my evangelistic style was idiotic, was unchristian, was un-Jesus-like. <coughs> 
And thankfully, Stephen did come and stay with me for two months. And after one month, he says to me, why haven't you mentioned Jesus to me? I'm like, yes! Yes, now I can talk! The door has opened for the gospel. Now I can talk to him. And I told him, well, actually, mum had told me. Auntie Muriel to him. Uh, mum had told me that I shouldn't. He said, yeah, well, you're awful. You used to... And he then reminded me how awful I was, telling everyone they're going to hell. And he started coming to church, our Presbyterian church. He loved coming to beach volleyball. We used to do that as uh, we had a big singles group. I was like the assistant pastor in Melbourne, Florida. And he came along for a month, started half dating a Christian girl. Uh, she bought him a Bible. I don't think he ever read it. But anyway, I think something changed in him. But more important, something changed in me. Very good. I learned a much better way for to look for a door to open before I say anything. I love people. I love all kinds of people. And I love just asking them about them. And I used to do that and then want to fire back something about me. I, I still like to talk about me. But... I like to talk about me after I've heard about them. And I think, oh, I think a door is opening for the gospel here. Be slow to speak, quick to listen. Now, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the next verse, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is so powerful. But in December, I'm talking to my mum thinking, oh, not one of my family has been saved, but the gospel is powerful. And because the gospel is powerful, we do look for opportunities and we ask God, help us to see a door open. So you push on the door sometimes. Do you know how to do that? You just give a little push to see, is the door open for me to talk more? When Stephen says, why haven't you talked about Jesus? I can obviously tell him a little bit about why. But I mustn't say too much. Otherwise, I'm going over the top again. I must speak a little and then listen. See what he says. Yeah, we were horrible. You know, we tried to talk about football. And you suddenly said, well, the game of life is all about knowing God. He, he reminds me of how we went to Horsham Park to play football. And he ends up getting another sermon from me. And... I had to learn the hard way that I had been foolish in how I was trying to tell people about this amazing saviour who saved me and changed me from the inside out. We have an amazing story, we have an amazing saviour, we have an amazing salvation, but we can't represent it all so badly. The Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. That means you have to win kind of learn some wisdom. Well, where do you get wisdom? I would say there is wisdom in many counsellors. Many counsellors. You might think, well, I, I, I get all my wisdom from this one preacher. Yeah, you might get loads of wisdom from one preacher, but there's wisdom in many counsellors. My mother was one of my many counsellors, and she taught me something so important. So you actually get wisdom from non-Christians. Loads of wisdom. We're all made in the image of God, whether we know Jesus or not. 
You can learn from every conversation you have. If you listen and you're slow to speak, but we are looking for this powerful gospel to have opportunities. But we bide our time. We ask God, let a door open for the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So when I, um, I'd lived in Florida for 10 years, it paid for my university. I then got a master's in theology. Uh, and so I got a bit academic after becoming a Christian, really. Uh, and uh, then came back to England and when I got back I said to my mum do you know where Peter Worsley is now the, the geography teacher I, I just thought I want to tell him I've become a Christian because he had such an impact on my life thankfully God didn't let me wait till just before I died he gave me nine years and then dragged me in not really kicking and screaming. I was happy to go to church because I had some friendly Christians invite me along. <clears throat> so uh, my mum says, no, I, I don't know where Peter was. Is he left um, Collier's Grammar School where he was the teacher and, and there was no Facebook in 89. There was no, um, no easy way. We didn't even have uh, our own computer at that time. Uh, so forgot all about Peter Worsley but thought, I'd love to tell him. This teacher, you, if you're a teacher, I don't know if any of you are teachers, but you can have quite an impact. But the truth is, whatever you do, whatever you spend your time doing, you can have a big impact if you learn <coughs> wisdom to win souls. So I forget all about Peter Worsley. Uh, we get married in 1990 and God calls us to Manchester, back to Charlotte's hometown. And we're running Alpha courses, which are brilliant at presenting Jesus. The power of the gospel. It is powerful. Yeah. And so I'm telling, I, I was doing the, what used to be the first Alpha thing, which was Christianity, boring, untrue, and irrelevant. That was the talk, and I would say, well, I knew it was true when I went to Crusaders. So I tell the story, I don't mention the name of the teacher, <coughs> and we've got 40 students have come to our Manchester um, building in, in Burnage in Manchester, just down the road from where the Gallagher brothers, Liam and Noel, grew up. So if you want to. Uh, so we're running this Alpha course, got 40 students, I'm telling the story of uh, Crusaders, and one of the students comes up to me afterwards, um, she's at Manchester Uni, and she says, who was the crusader leader in Horsham? I said, Peter Worsley. She said, he's my dad. <laughs> I'm back slim. I've been in touch with him ever since. I've done a reunion. Uh, about 100 boys went back, all saved, and would say he had an impact on their lives. He said that I'm to do his funeral. I, mean, I get an email from him most months. Uh, uh, yeah, so what a privilege. How God just weaves different things together uh, for his glory. We're an amazing part of his tapestry. I, I just love the way God does things like that. Uh, but Catherine came back to God. So Peter Wurz is very happy with me because he, <laughs> he helps me. He's in 
uh, boys, mainly the football team, and uh, had a huge impact on us. Lots of them, uh, I think four bishops came from that Horsham crusade. You think, wow, none of them can do his reunion. So I was like, fit on the lift. But I was happy to do it. Now, going back to Horsham is always a jewel. So, um, yeah, the gospel is powerful. Yes. And God is the God who works all things together for good. You, you think, well, how does that work with that? He weaves our lives to touch different people's lives. And you think, wow, Peter blessed me, and now I've blessed him. God often does stuff like that. Do you think there are some evangelistic things that are better and some that are worse? I would say knocking on doors was worse for me, although uh, the JWs make that work for them. They keep growing. I'm not recommending the JWs, by the way. But I'm just saying, if you do something consistently and sow seed, it does make a difference. So my last verse is this. Let us... Uh, uh, a man reaps what he sows let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up so the, if you sow nothing you'll see no harvest if you sow and sow good, good news tell people about Jesus tell him actually at church today I heard this and, uh, you just weave little bits into your life to Drop little hints into stories to see, is a door opening for the gospel? If yes, say a little bit more, but keep listening. Priority listening. Uh, but the more you sow, the more you'll reap. And, and yet, the, there is something in the back of your mind that says, I can honestly say, all the assemblies I've done at various schools have been fruitless. Is that true? It's not true. No. It's a lie. It's a lie. Uh, why is it a lie? Because people often say, well, isn't Alpha better than doing assemblies? Well, it's different. When you do assemblies, you're talking to a hundred kids. Maybe you're just sowing a seed. Alpha is a more consistent, ongoing course. Uh, but I think however you sow, just any opportunity you get, take it to try to sow a bit of seed. And don't let the devil say, the gospel isn't powerful in assemblies. I have never seen really any response to assemblies. I used to do them in Horsham at uh, my dad's old school called Forest Boys School, where we met as a church, uh, Horsham Community Church we were called. And I'd do Forest Boys assemblies all the time. And then we moved to Manchester and I'd do assemblies in Manchester. And then we moved to Liverpool and the school we met in, I did assemblies there. And I never heard any impact. But one of my friends, Keith Gaiman from our Manchester church, uh, as, uh, went down. He grew up in Brighton, so he's going back to visit his folks. And uh, he's standing at half time talking, watching Brighton and Hope Albion play. He's talking to another supporter. And they work out they're both Christians. And Keith says, well, how did you become a Christian? So they're enjoying chatting at half-time. And he says, well, um, it was a guy came in and did an assembly at our school. He goes, What's, what was the guy's name? He said, Graham Wayne. He said, wow, wow. This guy isn't just 
someone who got saved. He's an Anglican <coughs> vicar. He leads a hundred churches on the south coast from Portsmouth. He's basically an Anglican evangelist. I didn't know he got saved. I don't even remember him. I've been in such seas. He said, God weaves things together and you just don't know how fruitful your sowing is. You're just told sow and don't give up. Keep sowing and don't give up. Even if your family don't get saved, don't give up. Keep praying, don't give up. Keep sowing, don't give up. Is there a kind of theme here? Yeah. Yeah. Don't give up. Might be don't give up. Yeah, I think we can summarise it. Don't give up. So three weeks ago, uh, we think my mum's dying. She'd been in hospital for Christmas Day. She'd been in um, hospital for about 10 days. And so I am driving to see my mum. And I'm swearing to God. I'm not recommending this, but I was. I, I was saying, please, Lord, what do I say to my mum? What do I say to my non-Christian mum? Please give me the words to say. If she is dying, please, would you save her even at the end? Please, Lord. And to, my, honestly, I'm not saying this as preacher's license. I was honestly in such turmoil driving to the hospital thinking, I haven't seen one of my Horsham family get saved. Please save my mum. She's 87, just turned 87. Please save her. So I go into the to see her. We have a lovely chat. She tells me my body's letting me down. Uh, I want to die. I know you're not happy about me dying, but I want I want to die. I listen and listen and listen to my mum say how thankful she is for her family and proud of us all. Uh, but she wants to die. I've been praying. <laughs> so I tell my mum, when I was driving here, all I could do was swear in the car and say, Lord, what do I say to my mum? I tell her that. She laughs. Uh, she knows the kind of man I am. I said, look, I'm not a Christian because I'm better than any of you. In fact, out of all my family, I would say I was the harshest, the worst, the most competitive, uh, the most unkind, selfish, focused, Lost all that, thankfully. But uh, anyway, so my mum pours out her heart how she's ready to die. And I say, eventually, after listening and listening, Mum, why don't you ask Jesus into your life and ask him to take you home? Oh, no, dear. I would be such a hypocrite. I couldn't do that at the end of my life. Now remember my prayer in the car? Do you think God heard me in the car? Yeah. He definitely heard me. Yeah. Do you think, God? Oh, I'm not listening to him, he's swearing. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that really offends me. Uh, that's not our God. He's a father who is for me, he loves me. A door starts to open for the gospel and I just immediately think, as my mum says, I couldn't be a hypocrite and give my life to Jesus just before I died. I said, what about the thief on the cross? He was dying, and he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
today you'll be with me in paradise. My mum, I'm 63, I've never heard her pray. <coughs> she starts to pray and pray and pray and pray. Just the most wonderful prayer. Lord, watch over my family. Thank you for them. Uh, take me home, basically, is the summary of this. It went on. This prayer was a long, long prayer. My mum's got her eyes shut. Uh, she's very weak. Uh, and uh, I said, what's happening, mum? When she finally finishes praying, she said, I've got such peace. I just see a picture of the cross. I see two candles there, which I don't understand. Uh, since then, she, she survived three more weeks. She's gone to be with the Lord now. But she survived three more weeks, and I got to talk to her. There was a lovely Christian nurse who kept singing, The Goodness of God is Running After You. She loved that song. This nurse kept singing it and then playing it on YouTube to my mum. She said, oh, I had lovely times of prayer with you, mum. She was a black Pentecostal lady called Patricia. We take Jesus anywhere we go, whether we're a nurse in the hospital, the door opens for the gospel. We sow seed. God hears our prayers. Uh, so Patricia said, yes, I'm sure your mum's a Christian. And we went back each week, by the way. And, we, and, um, and I, I thought, I've got to ask mum, has anything changed? Uh, and I kind of tripped myself up by doing this and uh, got all upset. But uh, I said, has anything changed since you prayed last week? Well, she said, well, I think I've done something wrong here because I'm still here. I said, you're just stronger than you realise. Because uh, she hadn't eaten anything during that whole week. She hadn't hardly drunk anything in that whole week. Um, I said, you haven't done anything wrong. Um, I said, uh, I asked her a question to say, has anything changed spiritually for you? I didn't want to be too leading. Uh, and she said, well, I've always been a Christian dear, and I'm like, oh! <laughs> And, but here's the wonderful thing. My sister went in uh, often twice a day in the last week and I said to my sister Tina, who's just lovely, but she calls me religious. I'm not religious like you, Graham. Uh, and um, I said, do you think anything changed for mum spiritually? She said, well, mum did say to me, I've seen the light. <laughs> Come on! You're gone. Thank you. So I'm sure my mum's with the Lord now. Keep sowing, don't yeah. give up. Keep praying, don't give up. Keep listening. Don't speak too much. God bless you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much, Graham. Thank you. Such a wonderful, brilliant, brilliant. I was just reminded as Graham was um, sharing, uh, when literally well, it wasn't long after we managed to move here. It was prophesied over us um, that we would reap what others had sowed. And that's just real kind of a sense of don't give up. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Until there's breath in your in breath in your body, keep going, don't give up. God can still use you. God can, like we said last week, it doesn't you know whether whether you're whether you're a kid, teenager, or whether whether you're you know in the 80s, 90s, God can still use you. He still don't give up. The gospel is powerful. Um, thank you, Graham. I just want to. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for these guys. Um, pray for each of us. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you, God. I thank you that your gospel is is powerful. 
God, it is power to save. Lord Jesus, Lord God, and I, I thank you, God, for um, for Graham's story, Lord Jesus. I thank you for that persistence. I thank you for that learning, Lord God. I pray that we would learn from from his his mistakes, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray that that where where, where you moulded and changed him over the years, Lord God, you would impart that on us, Lord Jesus, so that we may learn to listen, that we may learn to be sensitive to your spirit where that's where that's leading, rather than kind of going headlong and doing things our own way. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Graham's vulnerability in sharing that with us this morning. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would impact each one of us. I thank you that you already have, Lord Jesus. And I do pray, Lord God, we pray for us to see the power of your gospel, that we would see a harvest, Lord God, that we would see a harvest yeah. in, in this in this town, up and down the far coast. We'd see a harvest amongst our friends, amongst our families, amongst our kids, Lord God. Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would see a harvest amongst in our families, Lord Jesus, where we've been made some of us just like Graham and been praying for years to see to see family members say, Lord God, that we would have that privilege to be able to see that, Lord God. And I know, Lord Jesus, that there are many stories that we don't get to hear, Lord God, but one day in your presence, we may get to see people that we, we shared with, that we didn't know anything about, Lord God, and I thank you for what a joyous day that will be. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing and done. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.